SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Rage! Sports Rage with Gabe Morency. Rage all you want. Level two. We're getting closer. This is Sports Rage. I am Gable Morency. Sirius XM Channel 159. Countdown to kickoff is on college football. It's time to start breaking these games down, and we will throughout the week. I was thinking about the USC San Jose State game, and I couldn't help but think. I'm like, man, was it last year they played? Two years ago? Right? They, they, they played, and it was actually uh, 2021. I think that might have been a COVID thing. Maybe it was like the stands were empty or something. I don't know. Like, I, I don't want to say that for sure, that there weren't fans in the stands. It was September 4th, 2021 when they played. I actually remember them playing, and but I will admit, I thought that the score was a little bit different than it was. It was 30-7 to 7 for USC. And I do remember, I don't know why I remember this one, like USC beat them 56-3 before, but that was, uh, that was in 2009. So I don't, I don't know what I was thinking. So I was just sort of thinking, I'm like, you know, San Jose State, they are, as we had a guest on last week, Jeremy Moss, who covers the Mountain West, and he actually said, listen, I'm thinking outside the box here, but I'm going to give you San Jose State to win at 14-1 to to win the conference. Right, Boise State are the favorites. Uh, Fresno State, Boise State are the favorites. But San Jose State, they've got their quarterback back. They've got all five offensive linemen back. They do have a very good coach. They've done a pretty good job in the transfer portal. They have more talent than you figure a team like San Jose State would have. USC don't have, like, a full interest in in winning by 40, right? They don't, like, you know what I mean? There's not, it's the first game of the year. They don't want to get anybody hurt. But they also want to put big numbers up for Caleb Williams as well. So the question, really the question is, we know USC are going to score. Right? So USC can score as many points as they want pretty much on anybody. So let's assume they get to what? What's their, what's their team total? I'm thinking USC is going to get to 50. Right? They're going to get to I don't know, 49, 50 type thing. They could get into the 60s. If they get in, if they want to and they get into the 60s, then we've got a problem. Then then San Jose State's not going to cover. But if they can hold USC to like 45-ish type of thing, you know, 45, 20, 49, 28 or something. You know what I mean, like if San Jose State, I have my concerns about San Jose State scoring. Like even though USC, I think USC's offense is 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 not very good. You know, it's not it's not an elite college football team's defense. Their offense is, and they're just going to try to outscore you. And for the most part, it works until you run into Utah and they run the ball down your throat every year, right? It's like uh, it's the same thing. And Lincoln Riley never really learns. You know, Oklahoma was the same thing. He he doesn't think about defense. This guy, he just figures, well, I have a flashy offense, and my quarterback's going to win the Heisman Trophy. But you've got to be able to stop the other team as well. All right. So what's their? Uh, all right. Here's their their team team total. Yeah, it's forty seven and a half. 
It's level two. This is Sports Rage. I am Gabe Morenci. The pimps, the players, the hustlers, the people, the bust them, and everybody else in between. Let's do this thing. San Diego wins. Arizona wins. The Dodgers are, of course, off uh, tonight. The Houston Astros uh, threw it down uh, this evening uh, as well. The Texas Rangers uh, Texas Rangers lost to the Arizona Diamondbacks uh, tonight, so there's a little bit of a shakeup as far as the, um, the standings are concerned. And, oh, yeah, Seattle just keep winning. The Seattle Mariners, there's a couple of best bets in sports right now, the Seattle Mariners and Red Bull Racing, who have been off, but uh, they're coming back as um, the F1, of course, has been off. But the Seattle Mariners, just an absolute tear, man. Like, unbelievable. They've now won 20 of their last 25 road games. They're 20-5 and five on the road, their last 25 road games. And they're now 32-13 and 13 in their last 45 overall games. It's gone from, like, the Seattle Mariners. Are they going to play themselves into the wild card, too? You know what? They could win this division uh, right now, the way things are, are playing out. It's, you know, things are getting crazy. Major League Baseball is getting late early out here. Every game counts. A big win for San Diego uh, tonight. Listen, you can't control what's going to happen with the teams ahead of you. All you can do is try to win as many games as you possibly can down the stretch uh, right now. So Arizona suddenly red hot. Arizona 8-2 and two in their last 10. They win in extra innings. San Diego are lucky that they're still within striking distance, considering that they are six games under 500. But the National League is not the American League. Meanwhile, the Seattle Mariners are now just two games out of first place right now. And Texas have now lost five in a row. The Houston Astros are playing 500 baseball over the last couple of weeks. And the Seattle Mariners are only two games back uh, right now. A dangerous team. George Kurtz will step up and we'll talk some baseball. The Baltimore Orioles are having a great season, but their owner makes it really hard to like, like them in any way. Of course, he suspended their play-by-play voice for just stating that they haven't won a series in Tampa in forever. And now he's already... <laughs> You wanted, like, the definition, look up, like, rain on a parade, and John Angelos' face will be next to it. What is it with, like, son's owners? They're always, like, worse than the parents somehow. It's never like, oh, this guy's much better than his dad. This is Sports Rage. Then your rage. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. You tell that son of a bitch no Yankee is ever coming to Houston. Not as long as you bastards are running things. Speak up, George. I can't hear you. You tell that son of a bitch no Yankee is ever coming to Houston. Not as long as you bastards are running things. Let's roll. It's the Monday Night Meltdown. This is Sports Rage. I am Gabriel Moranzi. Shout out to all of our AM radio fields, including on the Monday 1090 ESPN Radio. SoCal in the house. Let's do this thing. George Kurt steps up and in for the Sports Grid Radio and Television Networks. We've got Rich Hammond from The Athletic coming up. We'll talk about the Rams and the Kings with uh, with Rich. It's easy to, uh, to forget with all this football talk, uh, but the hockey season is right around the corner as well. Uh, right now. The wild card chase is on. The Raven streak is done. George Kurt steps up and in. George, always good. How you doing tonight? 
Doing all right. We're doing all right, right? Uh, football didn't go the way we wanted it to go. Uh, baseball sort of did. It was it was better early. It got, it got actually a little rough late. Yeah, from a betting perspective, I've had better nights at the track. I'll put it that way. Dude, I was on the Baltimore Ravens to win one by winning margin one to six. It could not have looked yeah. any better, George, at 28-26. I'm like, wow, this is really going to work out. All I got to do is just like run the clock out, basically. They kept running out of bounds. <laughs> they kept... It wasn't a uh, wasn't a well played. Uh, well, you don't do that in the regular season. It was well. There's rookie quarterbacks out there, and but it was a super entertaining game. You know, we're on the wrong end of it. Look, last week Philadelphia went for two and they didn't get it right. Baltimore eventually was going to catch up to them. I would be more upset if I hadn't been riding this thing for like the last four years, which I have been. So eventually, I still thought late we were going to find a way to win, and you know, it was frustrating, guys, at the end. They had them in a 4th and 12 situation. They had them. It was 4th and 12. And for whatever reason, the defensive back, I think it was Mayfield, for whatever reason, Buddy decided to just run right through the wide receiver and smoke him. And there was no need to. The ball was, like, sailing over everybody's head. It wasn't even going to be caught. And that's what kept that drive going, and that's why we lost the bet, actually, George. It was very frustrating. I lost yeah. a lot of money it's for like. It's, it's how we lost. That that's what uh, yeah. what drives me insane. We we, that's why you go. Oh, really should have won that game. Really should have won that. That's what's annoying here. Didn't help the uh, the parlay I had. I lost that late too, and Arizona came back. So, uh, uh, listen, it was it was good early. It was good till about what ten ten thirty Eastern time. And things started to turn on me. Well, things turned early with the Atlanta Braves and the New York Mets earlier. There was quite a few. There's been some upsets uh, tonight. Arizona came back and won late uh, tonight, uh, George, as well. Man, these games, like um, the standings, they're just they keep they keep moving. It's like musical chairs right now. But one team that keeps moving in 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 a straight up direction are the Seattle Mariners. They played themselves into the wild card right now, George. But the way that they're playing. They're only two games out of first place right now in their division. Texas are starting to uh, to struggle a little bit. Houston really aren't playing great baseball right now. Five and five in their last ten games. It's not. And you look, they're playing the White Sox right now. It's not inconceivable to say that the Mariners are going to be in first place by the end of the week. <laughs> no, it's not. It's not inconceivable at all. And uh, certainly, it's going to be a three-team battle, which will be fun. It'll be fun. The Mariners did this last year. Right, they did the same thing last year. Came out of uh, Washington, came out of nowhere. But the second half, they took off, and it's the same thing this year. If they can continue to hit, I know they can pitch, a starting pitch. They're, I'm a little shaky on their bullpen, but if that hitting is going to be. I, listen, they're going to score 14 runs a game, but if they can be consistent hitting, this is a dangerous, dangerous team. It might be as good as any team in the American League. Their bullpen has been top five since July 1st. That was the turning point, when- July 1st. I might wonder how it's going to hold up uh, when the pressure mounts a little bit and uh, the schedule hardens a little bit. Uh, but I, I just don't – with their starting pitch, those starting pitchers can go seven innings. They can turn this into a two-inning bullpen game, and that's where it, uh, it's their advantage. I think the pitchers will be fine. I, I, I'm not sure if the hitting is going to be as consistent. It was, it was gone. It was completely dis- – it was void for the first three, three and a half months of the season. Now, I mean, Rodriguez can't make it out. I know he had tonight off. Cal uh, Raleigh is hitting home runs left and right. Hernandez is all of a sudden being the play we thought he'd be. They got a lot of names in there. These guys decide what we're going to hit. Like I said, name me a better team. Name me a better all-around team in the American League. They're slow starters, 
Right, they were slow starters last year, and they dialed it up after the All-Star break. Same thing this year. They dialed it up. It was basically the week and a half before the All-Star break. They were sub-500. And you know if you're hosting the All-Star game. They, they, you know what I mean? It was the whole thing. Let's get up to 500 and take it from there. One thing, I don't think they, they feel pressure, this team, George. If anything, too, that was some, somewhat of a fault that that was a criticism. Even in the clubhouse, guys on the team were like, we need to tighten up a little bit. There's like, there's a different. We have too much. There's too much fun. It was just too much of a. You know what I mean? Guys just weren't intense enough, and there's got to be a level of intensity. But they found it. They just win all the time, and. I say this all the time, George. I always think it's overrated when people talk about certain teams with aces and stuff. I've been hearing it for years about the Milwaukee Brewers. Oh, the Brewers in the playoffs would be dangerous. Well, they never even made it a World Series, right? Like, you know, the Atlanta Braves in the old days used to have all those guys. They won one World Series. I think you need hot pitching, but you don't need, like, star pitching. could be anybody that ends up getting hot, right? But Seattle... Anyone would have a hard time matching up with those guys. Like, Seattle will have a, as good of a pitcher as you, if not better, in pretty much every playoff game, which is a, a problem to deal with, actually. Like, their pitching is really good. They're starting pitching. Their pitching is really good. It almost goes four deep, right? Castillo, Kirby, Gilbert. Uh, I forgot somebody. Uh, Miller. Uh, so and they, it almost goes four deep here. So, yeah, it's as good as anybody. Uh, I, this, I think they'll pitch fine. I, I'm, uh, the hitting, I said, if they're going to hit all of a sudden... <laughs> I mean, who, like I said, who, who would you say, if you were to pick a team right now, right now, and uh, that you were to put a ticket on to win the American League, who would you pick? I mean, no, no one stands out, Gabe. That's why it's, and I understand two weeks from now, you and I may be talking about a different team. Maybe it's the Toronto Blue Jays that are going off now, and now we're on them. But right now, Seattle does look as good as anybody else. I would be very concerned if I was the Toronto Blue Jays. I was going to ask you about that. Right now, the books don't have the full to make the playoffs up. They sort of put it back up in the morning, but there's sort of a half, half, like uh, half, half the teams are up. The Blue Jays right now are minus 210 to make the playoffs. They're plus 170 not to make the playoffs. So they're behind Seattle right now, and they're behind Tampa, and they're behind the, the Houston Astros. Like, if Toronto's going to make it, which one of those teams will not make it? Are Texas just going to fall apart? Are, are Houston? That is the problem. Who are we taking out here? You know, the, a team, I'm, man, if they didn't get I, Texas, I'm just saying, George, plus are. 170. And for the record, George, Seattle are plus 360 right now at FanDuel to win the division. They're two games out, plus 360. And the Blue Jays are plus 170 not to make the playoffs. I think that's not a bad bet, actually. Like, unless, do you think the Blue Jays are going to get hot? It's not that the Blue Jays are going to get hot. I mean, Tampa's, Tampa's a team I, I wonder if they could uh, implode, but their schedule is not difficult. I mean, this week alone, they got Colorado and the, the Yankees. I can't believe I got to put the Yankees in this. Uh, Colorado and the Yankees. You know, then they have a little road trip, but it's Miami and, uh, and Cleveland. We're not talking uh, gang buses there before it gets difficult. So if the. If, I guess if once again, if Toronto could just hold serve with Tampa Bay until September, because that's when the schedule turns for Tampa Bay. Then they got Boston, Seattle, Minnesota, Baltimore. I think got the Angels in there, but then they do play Toronto themselves. Boston, they finish up against Toronto. So, you know, in some ways, Toronto can determine their own fate against Tampa. Hold, uh, um, hold serve, and then when you play them, which you play them six of the last eight games, you got to take care of business, right? Because I think that's the team I'd be pointing at, that, that with all the injuries that Tampa's had. You know, no McClanahan, no Rasmussen, no Springs. You know, Glass now is held together by Scotch tape. Uh, that's the team that I wonder, 
if they could fall out of it. And Toronto's five and a half behind them. Once again, it's a game a week. I think the Blue Jays have wasted numerous opportunities to gain ground on both Baltimore and on Tampa. And now that's fair. They do they do have Bo Bichette back, and there is a stretch for the Blue Jays. Although you never know, right? You can never say you can never guarantee anyone's going to beat anybody. But the Blue Jays do have a run of a bunch of winnable games coming up. More with George Kurtz on the other side. Where does Jonathan Taylor end up? The late night anger management class. This is Sports Rage. Bring it. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Nobody wants to hear the nonsensical ravings of a loudmouth malcontent. Well, too bad. This is Sports Rage. I am the loudmouth malcontent. George Kurtz kicking with us. So John Angelos, the owner of the Baltimore Orioles, uh, did an interview with the New York Times for whatever reason. Like, why? Uh, because nothing good's going to come from it. But he said the hardest thing to do in sports is be a small market team in baseball and be competitive. Because everything is stacked against you. Everything. We're going to have to raise prices here dramatically. <laughs> Let's say we sat down and showed you the financials for the Orioles. You will quickly see uh, what people are talking about. This this player, $200 million, That player, $150 million. We would be so financially underwater that you would have to raise the prices massively. Now, are people going to come and pay that? Now, he goes on, George, but it's just amazing, isn't it? Like, is this guy determined to try to get people, like, to really, like, just really hate the Orioles even more than they already kind of do right now. Like, it's unbelievable. They're in the middle of a good season. Just why say anything about anything uh, right now? And not to mention, George, dude, from the television contract alone, it's an estimated each team from the national deal gets like $60 million each. On top of it, I see the Baltimore Orioles and what their regional deal is, George. $54 million. So... They've made $114 million without selling a ticket yet, George. For the record, their payroll is $70 million. So lies and all. I mean, every time an owner speaks like this, oh, if you saw, if you opened up, we opened our books. Okay, open them. Let's see. Notice how they never do? Because they know. I mean, who do they think they're fooling when they say this? Yeah, it's just it's just a joke. Uh, Keith Law, by the way, uh, was uh, the former assistant GM for the Toronto Blue Jays. Now uh, works for the Athletic. He used to be a scout. Uh, he had an article uh, years ago uh, where Machado and Harper were both free agents, and uh, he goes, "This is not every team could pay Machado and Harper. Every team could do it, and they would all still make money. The question is, how much money do you want to make? That's the only question here. It's the only thing the owners are you know they could all pay these players whatever they want, and they'll still make money." You know, and uh, Law was on again tonight after that interview going, this was for liar. That's all he put at this, uh, after uh, that interview with Angelos, liar. And like, and we all know they're lying. I don't know who he thinks he's fooling. Who's the PR person here? Uh, once again, he's the, uh, the billionaire owner. He can just say, go to hell. I'm not listening to you anyway. But someone had to tell him, what, what are you doing? Why would you speak at all? I mean, it's just weird. Uh, but then again, it's Angelos. So why am I not surprised? For the record, his father bought the team for $173 million. And the the cheapest, the Royal sold uh, for for one billion. The Marlins sold for one point two billion. 
That's another thing, too. Like, if these, these owners that they talk like this, so why don't you sell the team then if it's such a horrible business? Exactly. Remember? If you're such Rob a money, Manford. You sell it. Yeah, Rob Manford. So remember Rob Manford actually had the line, we're just a summer business. <laughs> like, yeah, like you're, you're selling, like, toffee and Cape Cod or something. You know what I mean? Like it's my local ice cream store. Yeah, yeah, we're just a summer. We, you know, we really are. We're just a summer business. It's like, okay, then, you know what I mean? Then how come... You know, like you said, they're worse than Hollywood. They have the same type of, like, these owners. That's why they don't want the salary cap. But some owners do, some don't. That's why, like, baseball will always be like this, where the players aren't on the same page with salary caps. Some owners want a salary cap. Some owners don't want a salary cap. And you see the owners are doing a pretty good job of colluding for the most part and keeping the salaries relatively sane in baseball. Um, but yeah, just whatever. They're just such an e- easy team to dislike. But they're they're a fun team on the field, right? They're they're they're, they're a fun team on the field. Uh, your Yankees. You've complained about your Yankees not being a fun team uh, on the field. The misery is just going to continue, George. I mean, the, the the Cowboy season can't start soon enough for you. Yeah, uh, I said I was I was waiting for it today, Gabe. We talked to you earlier last week. Uh, I was wondering if Boom was going to get the axe. After being swept by Boston, that would be a cover. You know, so the media would stop talking about the losing streak. You know, the eight-game losing streak. They haven't won since 95. Remember last week on a game-time decision where I made the joke before they played Atlanta? I don't know when the Yankees are going to win another game. I was kidding. I didn't think literally we'd be here Monday, a week from now. And I'm, you know, I don't know. Maybe they can beat Washington tomorrow, but I don't know. You know I think Severino. You don't want to lie. I wouldn't want to lay minus 185. <laughs> the hell no. Hell, on the, the Yankees have lost to terrible teams over and over and over again. Now, yesterday they showed some life. I'll give them that. They showed life. it was a fun game to watch yesterday. Yeah, I could take losing. Is what the, you know, hey, you're trying. But uh, most of these games have been pathetic. They're just pathetic. They're just going through the motions here. And, you know, Gabe, there's no easy fix here. It's an old team with a lot of long contracts. If Hal's not going to truly break the bank, it's going to be a, a tough fix here. They called up Peraza, called up Pereira. Uh, they're going to get these, uh, give the youngsters a chance to play. Uh, I think Pereira will get left field. Let's see what he can do. The problem with Peraza is he's a shortstop. Uh, he's a better fielding shortstop than Volpe. Uh, Volpe is a better hitter. Who can play third base? They don't have a third baseman. don't have a first baseman. This, this is just a weird constructed team. That's all you can hope for right now, then maybe, and that's what they're hoping for, that one of these youngsters actually provides a spark and there's something to hang your hat on. I just don't see, well, we know maybe they're thinking, let's not embarrass Boone. We're going to let him go anyway, so let's not embarrass him. He's been good to us. And I don't know, we'll see if if Steinbrenner comes to his senses and realizes I'm going to have to make a move here with Cashman as well. Do I really want this guy rebuilding when we've been spinning our wheels? And you'd want to talk about spending money. The Yankees did spend money, guys. So to me, any any rage at Steinbrenner is kind of misguided. It really ends with Cashman. He's been given, he's been given, dude, he was given nearly $300 million to work with. Oh, you know I agree with you. I don't think Steinbrenner's to blame. He second highest payroll in the majors, right? 273 or whatever it was coming into to the season. It's, it's Cashman. Cashman in the analytic department. And uh, Boone is some blame, sure, but it's mainly on Cashman. Boone is a, uh, a puppet. We all know that. That's why I thought he might get fired today. So once again, protect Cashman for a little bit. But uh, he didn't. And they're still going here. And maybe they are giving, you know, don't want to embarrass Boone. Uh, he just reminds me of a punching dummy right now. He, you watch these interviews after the game with Boone where he's trying to go, oh, yeah, we're trying to win. We're, you know, we haven't been eliminated yet. We're, we're going to keep going. Oh, God. Oh, <laughs> but what do you expect him to say? No, we suck. We're done. 
know, I mean, I, I, it, it's just, it just, you have to be, feel so almost bad for the guy that, uh, you know, he, he has to go through this game at the game with the New York media. He must want to say, listen, what do you want me to do? We suck. You know, he just must want to say that sometimes. I think the way he handles it, he knows he he's smart. He's been around the game. He knows what's going to happen. He's very likable, though, so he will end up on TV, right, after, if he wanted to. Yes. He'd end up right back on TV. And or, and or, you know, by not causing any controversy and other baseball people, he could get hired again. That's what I'm saying down the road by someone else as well, if he wanted to. I don't know if he'd get hired again. He hasn't really... I mean, other, think the same thing we think. He's a puppet. I, mean, I know. Someone's going to hire another puppet? <laughs> Everyone gets recycled all the time. It's true. His numbers are good. You know, with the Yankees, of course, but his numbers are very good. He's a good official. That's what I'm saying. Like his winning percentage and stuff. I mean, it takes a buddy, George, someone that likes him. You know what it's like. How the hell did he hire the, 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 the hitting coach? Well, I was a teammate with his, right? I mean, that's, oh, that's the way gosh, this stuff works. Easy. And that didn't help, did it? <laughs> oh no, it was all Lawson's fault. Don't, didn't you, you didn't know that? Oh, they remember that? I never even heard of. It was his fault. Yeah, we were like, we don't even know who this guy is. Like, as if it's his I fault. Like, yeah, like, no like, was. None. Bring my buddy in. How do I not know the Yankees hitting coach? I had no idea who the Yankee hitting coach was. None. Nil. I thought it was Brad Wilkerson. I see he's the assistant hitting coach. I knew he was on the team, but uh, and I thought it might have been him too because he, didn't Schneider call him out? Uh, called what he's overweight or something like that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He got home. he got into it with uh, with the Blue Jays yeah. this earlier this year. I know because he was my buddy on the Expos, right? So. I'm like, yeah, I thought it was Wilkerson, but he's an assistant hitting coach. Um, okay, so in the NBA, George, you're not a big NBA guy, but James Harden, James, it was weird. They actually paid him, and then they were like, all right, we're going we're gonna to sign you because it'll be easier to trade you after we just signed you. Yet they promised to trade him, but then they demanded too much, and they can't trade him, and he just said, oh, you're a bunch of liars. I'll never play for you no matter what. So now the Colts just give permission to Jonathan Taylor's agent to discuss with teams a potential trade and come back to the Colts, yet will this actually happen as smoothly as Ursay is sort of in, you know? I mean, now he's like, oh, sure, all right, we'll just trade you. Schefter reported, originally it was reported that they wanted a first-round pick back, like point blank. They wanted one first-round pick, and Schefter said during a telecast tonight that they would take something else besides a first-round pick if it was, you know, an attractive package type of thing. I don't know, a second and a fourth or something, a second and a fifth. That's what I was thinking, yeah. Yeah, so in that ballpark, George, we're thinking the same thing. It's one thing, I don't think teams really care about the draft pick. It's another thing to want to have to pay him $15, 16000000 million a year. How much money does he want? That's the problem. You like, I'm a Bills pick. fan. I'd be like, sure, give him a first-round pick. It'll be the 28th, 29th pick anyways. Who cares? Yep. Give him the pick. Right? But then it's like, all right, we got to pay him then. My guess is this. Uh, for a team, because it has to be a good team, right? Because what you just said. It has to be a team that believes they're going to go deep in the playoffs because they don't care if it's a 28th pick, 29th. But it would also have to be for a team that thinks he's the final piece of the puzzle. Right? This way, if you don't sign him, it's all right. We want, we're going to win the bowl. He can go. We, we've done our job, right? Flag slide yeah. forever. It's okay if we can't resign. That's why Buffalo makes right? sense. So, uh, yeah. I think Miami makes some sense here, but they didn't want Dalvin Cook. Right? And Cook, I understand Cook's not Taylor, but Cook is good. But they didn't want him, so I'm guessing no there. Kansas City? Uh, it'd be interesting, but I don't think so. I don't know if they can fit him now. Uh, Minnesota? Yeah, they lost. They lost Cook. You know, he might look good there. They might want to pay him. They need something to replace Cook. 
So I can see them might be uh, maybe being interesting. And they're probably going to make the playoffs, maybe low 20s pick there. The Bears actually, would um, be a fun team for them. Com- that's another team I've written down there. Commanders, Bears, and Carolina Panthers, as far as teams that aren't going to go maybe as deep into the playoffs, that could use a starting running back. The Panthers would make sense. You don't want to get Bryce Young killed like they want to get Anthony Richardson killed. Great stuff, George. Thanks for joining us. Anytime. Have a great week, everybody. Rich Hammond from the Athletics steps up and bring it. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Continues. I am Gabriel Morenci, Sirius XM Channel 159. Shout out to all of our AM radio affiliates. Kick it, including about your 1090 ESPN radio. SoCal in the house. We hope you're staying as dry as possible uh, right now. Let's talk some L.A. Ram football and a little L.A. King hockey with Rich Hammond, senior editor of the Athletic NHL, co-host of the 11 Personnel L.A. Rams podcast. Rich, it's always a pleasure, my man. Thanks a lot for taking the time to be with us. Hey, always a pleasure for me, Gabe. So listen, man, what a crazy weekend in SoCal, specifically um, downtown Los Angeles, man. Absolutely crazy shots of Dodger Stadium. I'm glad to hear that you're uh, you're safe and you're dry right now, Rich. Yeah, I mean, yesterday was really something right? from between the, all the rain and then an earthquake uh, out in Ventura County that it was felt all over the place. So, yeah, I know a lot of people, uh, especially out in the eastern part of L.A., still dealing with a lot of stuff. So shout out to all those people. Hope you're doing well. But, yeah, I was I was very lucky. Thanks for asking. Yeah, you know, it's it's crazy because everyone's looking at the Dodger Stadium picture, the the aerial shots, and I tweeted, I said, hey, guys, people live there. You can't see yeah. it, but there's, like, people, like, right next to the stadium, man. There's, like, all kinds of little homes on all those hills, and, man, I hope those people are right and their homes aren't uh, permanently uh, d- too damaged, but... Let's talk some uh, let's talk some football and our thoughts with everybody tuning in right now. But let's talk yeah. some football. And the Rams are always a tough a tough read for me in training camp because we know Sean McVay doesn't value preseason games at all. He prefers the the weekly scrimmages that he has against the teams that they're playing in the preseason. So it's always hard to get a read. And as usual, they're kind of losing and they're apathetic about it. I mean, two thirty four seventeen losses. But what's really going on behind the scenes? If you were to grade the camp, like, like how how are things going? Are there positive signs? Are they are they nervous about some things? What what are you hearing about the Rams? Yeah, I, I think it's a little bit of both. I mean, I'd, I'd give them, you know, probably a, a C, maybe a C plus. Uh, sounds about right. The the two sides of the ball really different right now. Uh, because they haven't had Cooper Cup, and that's by design. He's been he, coming back from the hamstring. You don't want to push him. It would be absolutely stupid to, to push him and to get him out there before you need him. So the, he hasn't been out there. They've been shuffling the offensive line a little bit. They had a competition at left tackle, and now they're starting to look at right guard. And so uh, there's there's been some movement there, and, of course, they're always being careful with Matthew Stafford. So I'm not going to judge the offense too much based on what we've been seeing. Uh, you know, it's been a lot of uh, Stetson Bennett and a lot of back backup running backs and, and some, you know, receivers who they're not really going to be counting on. So don't look too much at the offense. But I'll tell you what, the defense, if you're looking for some warning signs, some, some signs of difficulty, they've just been really, really weak up front. And, and of course, Aaron Donald has not been playing. So that, that needs to be factored in as well. Everything looks a little bit different when you've got the, the most dominant defensive player of the world in your lineup. But 
but they've been giving up a lot of rushing yards. They're they're kind of they're kind of small up front, and I'm not quite sure what they're going to do about that. And then there's some things that they got to sort out at, at linebacker and in the secondary. There's not a lot of depth there. They're very very young. Uh, so if, if you're looking for a reason to be concerned about the Rams, especially early in the season, I would say uh, that defense and and the depth that they have and and that ability to maybe stop the run. I think teams are going to be looking at that early in the season. Which is somewhat of a concern, isn't it? Because if you're the Rams, wouldn't you want to be able to hang your hat on the defense and say, all right, guys, listen, well, you know, our defense is going to be able to keep us in football games and we don't have to put that many points up on the board. Obviously, right. stopping the run has been a big concern. What about losing Jalen Ramsey as well? Not easily replaced. Talk to me about the secondary. Yeah, there's a, there's a lot of youth there. And, I mean, they, they've lost some. Troy Hill's a guy who, you know, wasn't a superstar but gave them some valuable uh, snaps, valuable minutes. They just don't have that guy anymore. You talk about Jalen, and not only was he a star player with his with his skills, but he was a real leader back there in terms of getting things lined up. He could play all over the field. He could play in the slot. He could play outside. He's playing that star position that they talk about so much. So he was a very versatile guy, along with being obviously one of the most talented cornerbacks uh, in the league. So, uh, you know, they've got some younger guys there. They've got some guys who have been around for a couple years who need to step up, and, and that's the time. You know, they're guys who have been playing part-time roles or maybe secondary roles, uh, and, and they need to be the leaders now. And they also need good play from the from the back end, too. They've got a guy in Jordan Fuller who's who's played very well at safety. He's also had some injury issues. He's got to be able to stay on the field, and he's got to be able to take on a lot of that leadership that, that Jalen Ramsey lost uh, because – you just look at it throughout the lineup. They, they lost a lot of experience, you know, including Bobby Wagner, only there for one year. Uh, but another leader, another guy who t- took care of his teammates on the field, uh, along with Jalen Ramsey. So uh, two very, very big losses just in terms of leadership and veteran experience on that defense. And, of course, Matt Stafford is uh, back. He makes a ton of money. In a perfect world, somebody would have said, hey, we'll take uh, Matt Stafford and we'll use him to go on a run right now. But a lot of people wonder what he has, he has left uh, – what he has left right now, let's be real, but he makes so much money. He's obviously yeah. not going to not gonna leave that money on the table. What about Matt Stafford? How productive can he be? Or is he just showing up? So, um, you know, I don't get fined, Marshawn Lynch, so to speak, so I can cash my check. No, I don't think so. I've never gotten that impression from him. But it's the reality is, and I'm, this is not slander against him, but he's just having trouble staying on the field. And, and that just happens sometimes. And it happens. Even more as you get a little bit older. Look, I'm no pro athlete. I, I know what it's like. Your body doesn't recover quite the same as it did when you when you were a little bit younger. So, and in, in you're a little bit more susceptible. I mean, my gosh, I, you know, I step off the curb and I hurt my ankle. You know, I mean, you're, you're just a little bit a little bit more fragile than you were younger in, in your younger years. And that just happens to guys. Some guys are, you know, Tom Brady was like a cyborg. You know, just never never seemed to get hurt, never be out of the lineup. That that's not normal. I mean, what's happening with Matthew Stafford is he gets a little bit older is more normal but he's had a good offseason all that all that said he's had a good offseason they feel good about him Uh, he's the guy that they want for the next year or two they don't have a replacement lined up so I'm not even sure what they would have done if if they were able to move him uh, during the offseason because they don't have a succession plan in place right now they need Cooper Cup to be healthy they need stability along that offensive line 
They need Cam Akers to be that lead back that he showed he could be in the later part of last year. Matthew Stafford needs all of those things in addition to his health. So I, I see a scenario. I, I'm, I'm more optimistic about the offense than I am about the defense because I, I see a scenario in which they could be productive and, and put up some points. But they've got, they've got to check off all four of those boxes, and uh, that, that's a big ask. So hypothetically, and I don't want it to happen, but hypothetically if, if Stafford gets hurt, is Stetson Bennett playing? I mean, right now, they, you know, he's, they've, they got him, they got Brett Rippon. They, they've, they've split the two starts in the, uh, in the two preseason games here. Uh, Stetson Bennett's got a, got a little ways to go. You know, he's, he's, he's shown a lot out there. He's been very aggressive. He's taking chances down the field. You know, he looks like a guy who uh, is, is playing his way into that backup role. Brett Rippon, a little bit more conservative. You know what you're going to get. He's not going to be as dynamic. The ceiling is lower there. So it kind of depends on what you're looking for if you're Sean McVay. Do you want to roll with the, with, the, with the younger guy who's going to be a little bit more up and down but probably has a higher ceiling, or do you go with the guy who's a little bit more steady and you kind of know what you're going to get? I think they drafted Stetson Bennett for that job. I, I think if it ever came to it uh, that they would put him in there because I, I think, again, that ceiling is just a little bit higher. But, uh, but there is obviously a learning curve. He's an older guy. He's not your typical rookie. Uh, he's played in a lot of big football games at Georgia. Uh, but it, it's it's another step to to reach the NFL. So these two games have been big for him to learn to grow those joint practices that you talked about important. And uh, so we'll just wait and see what happens with with Matthew Stafford. And more joint practices with the Denver Broncos uh, this week as we're in conversation with Rich Hammond. Yeah, I imagine ripping just you know that Stetson Bennett wouldn't be the starter in week one if Stafford went down. But he has won back to back national championships. He is a winner. And I'm sure they're thinking, listen, if Brock Purdy can win football games, Stetson Bennett can win football games. Seems like there's sort of a changing at a guard. You don't have to be a blue chip sort of super freak athlete anymore to potentially get on the field. So the Rams went all in a couple of years ago for the Super Bowl, and it worked. And now they're sort of paying the price uh, for it, obviously. The L.A. Kings have been knocking on the door and they don't, you know, it's different. They didn't take the all-in mentality, but, they, you know, brick by brick building this this foundation up. And it's pretty much as complete as it can be right now, isn't it? They bring in Pierre-Luc Dubois, which I wanted to ask you about. And, I'm, you know, what about the goaltending situation, too, with the Los Angeles Kings? So let's start off with uh, Pierre-Luc Dubois and, and about as far as the goaltending situation coming into the year for the Kings. But what's your excitement yeah. level about this acquisition and about this roster right now? Sure. I, I like the Dubois move. Uh, you know, it, it's a weird offseason in the sense that you always look to improve your roster. The free agent class was not great this, this summer, so you weren't really going to be able to make a big splash there. I like the trade that they made. That the, the guys who they gave up, again, no no slander on those guys, but they weren't going to be impact guys in the Kings lineup. And 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 based on what the Kings needed, bringing in Dubois there, I think, lines up those, those top six nicely. I don't know exactly what they're going to do. They have some options which is also a good thing to have. Uh, but, but he's a guy who, again, is, is not going to be, uh, you know, your, your top, top guy. I mean, this isn't, this isn't a Hart Trophy guy. But he, he fits nicely with what they've been building, like you said, very deliberately with, with targeting certain positions, targeting certain upgrades. I like the move, especially in a summer where, like I said, there wasn't a whole lot of great options out there in terms of top-level talent available to you. I thought they did as well as they could do. Now, in goal... I'm not sure. Uh, they, they've got some, uh, you know, bringing in Cam Talbot. It's, it's, it's almost like that discussion that we were having with, 
with uh, the quarterbacks there. I mean, Cam Talbot's an older guy. You you know what you're going to get from him. It's not likely at this point in his career that he's going to have some amazing, you know, turnaround and be a 60-start guy who's going to win you the Vesna Trophy. He's a steady veteran who really should be in kind of a 1A, 1B kind of situation, uh, which is what could happen here. But then they need Phoenix Copley to show that last year was not a fluke, that the ability that he showed during the regular season uh, to, uh, in some ways, at some times, carry that team, that he can do that again. Again, do I see the scenario? Sure, I see it. it that's the way a lot of teams, a lot of goalie tandems are going anyway. Is you're, you're not looking for one guy to start 70 games anymore. You're looking for one guy to get 40 and one guy to get 40, and, and you know hopefully they work out pretty well. And if one guy gets hot, you ride him for a while, and then you go back to the other guy. Just you know, it's, it's what Vegas did last year somewhat because of their injury situation. But they jumped all over the place. So what you need, Gabe, is just steadiness. Like They just need to be able to rely lie on those guys they've got a good defensive core now especially if drew Doughty can give them one more good season they've got those centers lined up nicely it's not going to be a team that blows you out of the water but it's it's a really balanced team if it's on its game and a team that, that should be better than it was last year they're going to be a tough team to play not many teams have three quality centers uh like this yeah. as you stated yeah. very good the, the kings have great depth not superstars but they have depth we've got about a minute left here so I remember you and I spoke about the, when they acquired Corpusalo. Was it a financial situation? Did they didn't think that he was a good fit? Like, you know, $4 million a year in that range isn't that much for a top-tier. I don't know. I'm not going to say top-tier goalie might be a bit strong, but for a quality starting goaltender, how come it wasn't – how come there wasn't a the fit there? Yeah, the, the money might have been a little bit of it and, and just, you know, making sure they had that flexibility to do other stuff. But I think there was a little bit of concern. He played well, uh, but when you look at it down the stretch and, and even in the, some of those playoff games, I think they might have looked at it and went, yeah, not real sure. Is this the guy who's, yeah, who's going to carry yeah. us there? And, and again, I'm, I'm not saying that that's Phoenix Copley or Cam Talbot either, but, but I, what I am saying is do you want to invest that money you know, that bigger money in a guy who you're not sure about. The other Sens fans aren't completely sold either. They're a little worried. They're like, okay, let's see. Let's see what, but the thing is he is an upgrade to what they had before. Right. But they're concerned too. Right. And and there's always this year's trade deadline. Don't forget that either. There's always goalies available. If they find themselves in that situation where they're just not getting what they need, they could make another move. Hey, always a pleasure, Rich. Uh, Time always flies by. Uh, Thanks a lot for taking the time to be us. Look forward to doing it again. Rich Hammond from the athletic. Thanks, Rich. All right, buddy. Anytime. The Late Night Anger Management Class. This is Sports Rage. Bring it. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Awesome stuff with Rich Hammond from The Athletic. Rick Saratella will step up in a level three. More NFL football uh, talk. It's really starting, uh, time to start crunching these numbers. College football week zero is uh, this weekend on Saturday. We've been talking a lot about the Indianapolis Colts tonight due to uh, Jonathan Taylor. And uh, Jim Ursay has given permission to Jonathan Taylor to seek permission um, for a trade. The question is... It's not so much the, the draft picks. Think about it. If you're a really good football team, let's use the Buffalo Bills as an example. 
The Buffalo Bills could use just like another piece. Stephon Diggs, and there was a story today. Uh, Stephen A. Smith said on the air today that uh, Stephon Diggs wants out of Buffalo. And Stephon Diggs actually tweeted after or X'd or posted, whatever the hell you call it now, uh, that it is 100% not true. He said, I don't know what he's talking about. This is 100% not true. Um, but Jonathan Taylor, Jonathan Taylor is available. The Buffalo Bills would be a perfect fit for him. And when you hear, wow, the Bills don't have money, well, how do the Philadelphia Eagles do it? How do the, how do the Los Angeles Rams do it? How do the San Francisco 49ers do it? Anybody think that they had money to bring in uh, Christian McCaffrey? But they found a way to try to become a better football team. And if I was the Buffalo Bills, I'd think long and hard about it. But the thing is, we're in an era right now that is pretty clear. Teams do not want to pay running backs $15, $17 million a year. And Jonathan Taylor wants the same deal that Saquon Barkley wanted in that the Christian McCaffrey deal. McCaffrey's getting like $17 million or so. And the Giants offered Saquon Barkley $14 million a year, and he said no. Like, if I was Saquon and the Giants, you should have just settled on, like, 15 and called it a day and moved on. So, it's not so much what you have to give up. It's the fact that the whole reason why Jonathan Taylor wants out of Indianapolis is because they don't want to pay him. So, you're going to have to agree to pay him. And I don't know how many teams are going to want to do this.